We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. I've got a great sermon prepped on the victory that we have in Christ. But I want to rather just change from that a little bit and just speak about the application of that victory. And I think what we've done already this morning is, is seen it. Um, and, and your word was just so awesome um, about kings and priests. And a word I have, and uh, it's actually a word that Chart, um, so Chart is a campus pastor in uh, Piketberg, let me think. Oh, there's so many campuses now, you need to think clearly. Uh, in Piketberg, that's, better, that's how they say it. Um, he, he gave me a word because, I mean, we had another COVID case this week, and there's, a, there's a quite a few people, actually, who's tested positive. They're all doing uh, well uh, under the circumstances, but we are ministering to them and praying. And, and then, obviously, it just adds a lot of admin as well. And uh, if you're at the end of your week and you have this whole admin load that comes on you, and, but I just decided I'm not going to let that distract us. Uh, we know what to do. We're going to do it. We pray into it. We release power. If you, if you need to stay at home, you stay at home. If you need to come, then obviously you're more than welcome to. And you can experience what we experience in here. And even um, Kunrad and, and his wife also was online the weekend uh, with the conference. And, but they said they could feel stuff like online. Like it's just, it's not of whether it's online. It's always better in person. But if you're going to be online, be online intensively. You're not going to stand here and boil a kettle and uh, dress your kids. And sometimes you need to, I understand. But like, if we ever have to be online and you, want, you feel like you're not getting anything out of it, I'm always asking the question, is it on a big screen? Uh, are you seated? Do you have a cup of coffee? Are you focused? So all of those things add to your receiving experience. But I want to just speak about the word that Chad gave. And the, the word Chad gave us was um, that the church is resilient. And I just love that. If you think about what the church has been through, if you go read, like, it's not the church necessarily, but Hebrews 11, what people have gone through, and then it says the world was not worthy of them. But, they I mean, they were sawn in two. They were cast out. They were hit with sticks and thrown with rocks and, and all of that. But it's not even that. It is the fact that 2,000 years after the church was born, miraculously, here we are this morning, and this is where we want to be. This is where we want to be because we know there's life. We know there's, there's the fellowship, there's the communion together of believers. And your word, Julius, was also so good in that it is it's that connection. So the Holy Spirit really resonates. But that's why if it's only me speaking, then like, you don't pick up the resonance that is in the other people. So I was thinking, like, should I change my message? And then Kunran stands up and speaks about what the church is if we meet together from Hebrews 12. And for me, that's confirmation because now there's a resonance. I'm hearing from the Spirit. He's hearing from the Spirit. And it's saying the same message. So what's the theme this morning? Who's picked up a theme through the words? I've picked up a theme. The theme is church. The theme is that you're accepted, that you're beloved, that you're kings and priests. That's the theme. The theme is we are the people of God. That's the theme. We are the sons of God, the children of God. So that means we are heirs, joint heirs with Him. We are, we are above only, not beneath. We are, we are the ones that need to step out into the light. So let's go to Acts 4 quickly. And Acts 4 is one of my life type of scriptures. You know, you've, someone said to me, will you ever tattoo, get a tattoo? I'm like, 
And then you, you always add in, will, it will obviously be a scripture. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to tattoo a scripture every time there's a big scripture in my life. I'm going to look like the Bible. Amen. <laughs> so I'm not against tattoos. But uh, there's just so many, so many scriptures in my life that means a lot to me. But Acts 4 and verse 13 really is one of those. But I want to, I want to start at 13. I want to just start at verse 1. And it says, And as they spoke unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, sometimes in life you just get in trouble for doing the right thing. <laughs> Who's ever gotten in trouble for doing the right thing? Now, the word speaks about it. It says if you get in trouble for the right thing, that's good, that's okay. But don't get in trouble for doing the wrong thing. Like, don't draw each other um, as believers in front of judges and stuff because of all the, the, the wrong that you do. But it says being grieved that they taught the people and preached what? Through Jesus the resurrection. So we need to really check our message. And we've been on a journey of, like, even, like, call it purifying our message. So if we pray, what do we pray? And how do we pray? But if we preach, what do we preach? And we need to preach what Jesus preached. And you know what Jesus preached? Jesus preached Jesus. <laughs> For me, that's awesome. You look on the, on the way to Emmaus. What did he preach? He preached Christ from the Scriptures, from the Old Testament. But he preached himself. He revealed himself in the Scriptures. And what do they say? They say, didn't our hearts burn when he, what? Revealed himself in the flesh. No, when he opened the scriptures to us. When he opened the scriptures to us. And they laid hands on them and put them in, in, in hold under the next day. For it was now even tied. So that was not a holy hands on. This was like putting them in the stocks. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and the elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. So now they're calling all the big shots together and they're wanting now to, to put these guys away for good. So there's, like, there's now a tension on them. All the big shots are now against them, remember. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? By what power... Or by what name have you done this? And really that is what we should be about. We should be people with a power and with a name. People should ask you, how did you do that? How, why are you different? Why are you, why are you whatever? By what power? By what name? By what authority have you done this? Now then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done, to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto you all, and by to all the people of Israel, that by... Now he's going to give them an answer. He says, I want to just make sure that we are speaking about this guy who was impotent, who couldn't walk, and now walks. Is that, is that why we are here today? And they obviously, that's why we are here today. Because you healed someone. Now you see the religiosity of the situation is that when every time Jesus healed, he often did it on the Sabbath. And I've got a message that I've taught a few times before, like receiving your healing and rest. Now, I'm not saying sit back and let God fight your fight. I think that's an Old Testament mindset because Christ now in us is the hope of glory and we need to release that power. But it doesn't have to be striving. I read a book once about spiritual warfare and the guy was on the cover leaning on a beach recliner, like spiritual warfare. I was like, that's good. Because the victory is won. We are kings and priests. We are joint heirs. We are one with Christ. And when we think we are one with Christ, I challenge you to change your picture. And it's not, you're not one with Jesus of Nazareth. You're not one with Jesus next to, the, next to Galilee. You are one with the risen Christ that Revelation speaks of. You're one with that person. 
And it's not a person, it's a new species. It's the firstborn of the dead. It's the, it's the king, it's the ruler. And he says, you asked me for an answer. You said, by what name and by what power? That by the name, so now he answers them, of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. You see, now he's picking a fight. He's not just answering them. Now he's picking a fight. He's going for it. Whom God raised from the dead. So listen, guys, this is the name. You asked for a name. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And I mean, it's offensive. <laughs> Remember, this is just after the crucifixion. The whole of Jerusalem, first of all, said Hosanna. And the next moment they said, crucify him. So we cannot go by the praises of men. If you go by the praises of men, you'll die by their vanity. Okay? So just the people praise you doesn't mean you're on the right track. Because they can turn around. We go by what God says. He says, but you crucified him. Now he's, he's, I'm sure he's pointing. Huh? Who, who thinks he's pointing? He's pointing at Caiaphas. Who's, who's the ones who crucified him? Caiaphas, the high priest. Now it says that if you just know the history of Israel and how the priesthood work and you read that, you know it's a mess. There was supposed to be one high priest. There's supposed to be order and structure, but there's the kindred all of a sudden of the high priest. There's this whole family chamosh there on the go. You crucified him. God raised him from the dead. Even by him does this man stand here before you whole. You asked about it, just making sure we're speaking about this guy. This is the name. This is what you did to him. This is what God did, and this is why he's here. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, and by that name, by that power, this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of your believers, which has come the head of the corner. So now all of a sudden, he's not just answering a question, he's preaching. The passion says, this Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected. And now he has become the cornerstone. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no one else who has the power to save us. For there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. The name of Jesus. I love that from the Passion Translation. We need to experience salvation. And I don't know about you, salvation isn't just experience the day that you receive it. Because a baby can't really remember the day they were born. But they experience life every day from there on. And what we experienced this morning was we experienced salvation. Because remember where we started off the service from Isaiah 12 and says, let's draw from the well of salvation. Now in the Christian circles, we're often so careful that we, we can't just spill one drop of this water. So we're drawing and we must like... Like, we're on this white carpet, remember we're in heaven, and if we spill, there's going to be stains, and we, don't, we just want to be proper and perfect, and you know what? Pity the fool. <laughs> Amen. I grew up, and my understanding of Christianity was boring, but I was so fearful of hell that I was willing to, say, to, to be boring to be safe. Was it, was it just me? Can I see some hands? Did that work for you? Unpopular. And unhappy. That, that was me. And then you jump into the other side and you try and be popular and then you're still unhappy and then you don't know where to go. And then you turn to Jesus, hopefully, and then you get saved. And then life really starts. That's my story. Okay. <laughs> End of 2007, that's when my life really started. I think it's 1st of January, so let's make it 2008. And that's really the birthday that I need to celebrate. So every New Year's Day, for me, is a New Year's Day. It's a new life day. It's the day I remember that I got born again, born from above, born of God. I am now according to His kind. I am at home with Him. I am a joint heir with Christ. He is the firstborn, but He's not the only born. Think about that. He's the firstborn, but He's not the only born. 
Romans 8. We'll look at that in a moment. But now he, he, he preaches. He says, there's no one else whom has the power to save us. For there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. The name of Jesus. The Aramaic this says we must experience the life giver. We must experience the covenant of life. So we don't just experience a teaching. We experience a person. We experience that closeness of who God is and where he is and what's his plan. And that's why big men can stand up here with tears in their eyes and, and we don't know what to do with this emotion because why? We're experiencing. Yesterday I just sat there and all of a sudden I'm overcome by emotion just by receiving, just by drenching dwelling in his presence and i'm always in his presence but sometimes when i become aware of it it's just totally overwhelming and then what you do is you think where you come from and you realize you don't experience or you don't you don't like and then you're just like you're going to a second gear of emotions because you're the beloved of god and you can't do anything about it i love the word that says you're a slave to righteousness you know what a slave does what its master say a slave is not who the, boss, who the slave says he is or feels he is. Or, no, it's, he does and he is what the master says he is. So your master said you are righteous. And you cannot do anything about it. You cannot kick back. You cannot strike. You cannot. You cannot. You are the slave to righteousness. Now look at this. Now Peter just got in a few short jabs there and an uppercut there. By giving them the name. Giving them the full answer. And that, what a... We should be so aware, because we can be so strategic about evangelism. But look at this opportunity. But if Peter was in fear, he would not have taken this opportunity. He actually created an opportunity. By that, oh, you asked me a question, so now I've got the audience. I've got the mic. Now I can either plead for my own safety, or I can use boldly to speak the word and give you the proper answer that will see life manifest in this people or at least give them the opportunity because in the book of Acts it's very interesting every time the message is shared clearly there's one or two reactions either there's a revival or the rebellion other people get saved or they get stoned that's the only two options so if we're going to play safe in church and we're always going to not experience either of those then I'm not sure that we're teaching the right message to be blunt this morning we need to be cut to the heart and then we need to decide what we want to do with it. That's the word. The word cuts through the heart. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing between soul and, and marrow and, and joints and marrow and soul. And, like we, we know those verses, but then when we need to share boldly, we hold back. Because we don't want to offend. It's not about offending. It's about if you cut to the heart, you're going to feel it. Amen? I remember I was not in Trana when I got saved. Like I was alone at the beach by, with Jesus. Amen? So... It was okay. <laughs> but it was real. Because I really, really needed it. And it really, really happened. And it was amazing. Because I was allowing myself to be vulnerable. To say, hey God, I'm, I can extrapolate. I, I know a little bit of data science. I can extrapolate and I can see where this life is going. The trajectory of my life is not where it's supposed to go. So please, I'm giving over. And I said I gave my heart to God many times, but I only gave over once. And by giving over, you're expecting and experiencing and receiving life. And guess what Jesus said in John 10, 10? I have come to give you life and to give you that abundantly. My type of life. And you know what his type of life is? It's a life that lasts forever. And that is eternal life. John 17, 3. 
This is life eternal, to know God, to become intimate with Him, would have been a better translation. The word genoskos there is an intimate knowing and understanding of who we are. Becoming vulnerable. Husband and wife know each other. Adam knew Eve, and she conceived. When we, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, and that's really as a church, we don't want to just be vulnerable for vulnerability, but we want to be vulnerable before God and vulnerable with each other and say, hey, I don't have it all together. Hey, I need prayer. Hey, please. Like, and I think sometimes we are so prideful in our Christian way that we never put up our hand and say, hey, I need help. Or, hey, pray for me. And, and I mean, I'm just going to face it out and I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You're going to die like that. Because it says the prayer of the righteous, the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. When you sit, call for the elders. Like there's, there's unity, there's the Holy Spirit in all of us. So let's go to verse 13 where I really wanted to get to. And it says, now, so now Peter gave his, his speech. Now when they saw what? Boldness. They saw boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They marveled because in their world system, they didn't tick the boxes. They didn't have the degrees. They didn't have the right clothing. They didn't come from the right families. They didn't speak the right tone. But they had what? Boldness. So if we believe that church is going to be surviving for another hundred years or until Jesus comes, then we can have boldness in a day like this. In a time like this, in a season like this, in a nation like this, we should be the most bold of all. And like I said, we're not ignorant of the natural, but we come from the supernatural and we deal with the natural because we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. And when you tell people, listen, you need Jesus. You don't need money, you don't need a business plan, you need Jesus first. We should not be like dancing around the issue. You need Jesus and this is where he is. And this is how you get him. There's no other name where we can be saved. By the name of Jesus the Christ. They marveled. Why? Because they took knowledge of them. They realized that what? They had been with Jesus. The passion says they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them. Simply by spending time with him. Because realize in the context of the situation, they're looking at these people and there's only a few of them that is not Pharisees and Sadducees that's bold or even speaking. In the context, they're not allowed to preach. So they were answering a question, but they took the liberty of preaching. And they did it boldly. You see, someone told me this once and it's become sort of a mantra of my life. When you're on the highway and you pull a trailer and you hit a speed wobble, and the trailer begins to oscillate. That's very dangerous because it can actually, once the, tire, once the trailer goes, pops a tire or it just pulls you out, you can roll the trailer and your car. And what we tend to do then in life is we tend to brake because we don't want to get into trouble. But as soon as you brake, that escalates and then you're in more danger. So what you actually should be doing when that happens is you need to accelerate and you need to pull through that oscillation. And that's really what I feel this morning for us to do is there's a, there's a bit of a wobble in life, in, in our nation. But as Christians, we cannot slow down. We need to put foot and need to pull through. We need to deal with the situation. We need to be light. We need to be salt. We need to be 
who God has called us to be. Let's go to John 15 quickly. And let's see just... And one of the words, that, some of the words that came out for me is so beautiful in that it is, we need to know what is our source. Because I can stand here and I can pump you and I can say, listen, let's pray and let's stand and church, be counted on. And, but that's not why they were bold, because they were pumped up. No, they were bold because they were spending time with Jesus. You see, we can get it like, if we're just going to be bold for boldness sake, it's going to be works. But if we're going to be spending time with Jesus and let Him shine in us and through us and shine upon us, from that place, then we can be bold. Then it's His boldness, it's His power, it's His message, it's His life shining through us. So, John 15, verse 3, from the Passion says, The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Now, <laughs> that's so beautiful. We're never going to be bold if we think we are sinners. If your purpose in life is to overcome sin... If you think you're a good Christian, if you don't sin, then you are missing out so much. And that's why my boring picture of Christianity was just, just don't sin, just don't sin, just don't sin. And if you sin, say sorry, and if say sorry quickly, and, and don't sin again. And then you realize that you, you look like a hamster on a wheel. But He has dealt with our sins. John 10 says that He's taken away our sins, our iniquities, our lawless deeds. It was prophesied in Psalm 103 already. Remember the benefits that there is to salvation. Your sins, your lawless deeds, your iniquities, I will remember no more. You can quote me on this, and you probably have, but I say if you want to be more like God, forget about your sin, because he's forgotten about it. He doesn't think about it, and then we come like little Jack Russells, and we remind him of it. Oh, it's like, what are you talking about? I don't remember. And then we remind him, because we think that's godly. He says, why do you remind me of things I want to forget? So my words have cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Wherein is fruitfulness? It's in the intimacy. When it's intimately joined to his life, we remain fruitful. I am the sprouting vine. And you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source. Fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you will be powerless. You see, we can never live in the full power in our own sense. Never can we do that. Never ever. Matthew 5 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, we don't do good works for our glory. We let our light shine for His glory. You see in Acts 4.13, who spoke up? Who shone the light? Peter. But what did they say? Hey, this guy was with Jesus. This guy was with Jesus. This is the problem. These guys are speaking about Jesus, but... The source is Jesus. So what, in effect, Jesus then gets? The glory. One Peter two nine says, "You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into." 
His marvelous light. We are called out of darkness into light. Colossians 1 speaks about it as well. You've been translated from darkness to light. Now, when we woke up this morning and we came here, it wasn't dark. You know why? Not because the sun was out. It's still pretty much dark winter. But because someone switched the light on. We didn't have to walk around the corners and pray until the darkness left. No, we just put the light on. But as Christians, we have this mindset that we are fighting darkness where Jesus says, no, you are living light. I like to make things practical. So I take John 15, I cut off a branch at home and I put it there where I can see it every day and I see it die and I realize I want to be with God because I don't want to look like that. Okay? It's practical. It's a reminder. On the way out the driveway, oh yeah, there's the dead branch. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm never severed from you. That's a practical reminder. The same with light. I go in, switch on the light. Okay, the darkness left. So when I show up, the darkness leaves because Christ in me is the light. What does the word say? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. You see that the light is not lit by the light itself. The lamp is lit by someone. No one lights a lamp and puts the lamp somewhere. So who's the lamp in that picture? We are. Who's lit us? Christ. He lights us and we shine. So it's not even our work to keep the light on. We just... We just be. <laughs> we just be who we are. But religiosity and nature and culture and everything has put all these veils across us so that we just don't shine too brightly. Because No, but the word I just read to you is we are a peculiar people. The problem is we don't want to stand out. Because we're not bold, because we're not spending enough time with Jesus. So if we say, hey church, let's stand up, let's be bold, let's speak to, to sickness, let's stand up and let's evangelize, let's tell the people about God... It cannot be through pomp and self-effort. Because we're going to walk out of here and by 3 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to have either watching Formula 1 or do something and you're not going to be as stirred up in the spirit and as one, like, you're not going to feel it like we felt it just after worship. Okay? I'm not going to feel it. I'm not that holy. But we shouldn't diminish what we are called to. Because we come here and we stir up and we resonate and we connect the dots. And it's the Holy Spirit in us and through us. It's the light of God shining upon us. And it's like a little, I just see this picture right now as I speak. I see this room full of mirrors. And I just see light dancing. And we're all just light dancing. And we're reflecting mirrors of God. And you can just see this. It's not a ball. It's like the inverse of a a disco ball. Where it's shining in and, and Pierre is saying something and the light shines in this way. You've never seen it before. And it's all these flickers of light. Why? Because Jesus is shining on each and every one of us. And like Moses came down the mountain with his eyes were shining. We are shining Jesus. We are shining examples of hope. We are the life lit by God. He is our light. He is our source. And what will we do? We just spend time with him. What did Stephen do? While they, he, was, he was preaching. <laughs> That's the first thing Stephen did. No, he was serving before then. And then he was preaching. But he was stirred. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Full of power. And he became a servant. We did a, um, I did a design the other day for why we give. I need to put it up now, but there's three pictures there. And we said that we as a church, we give for the, the mission, we give for the members, and we give for the ministers. And I mean, that's three good reasons to give. We don't give to get, because we have. If we are complete, if we are full, if we are one with Christ, we, what, what do we want to get? I know we need more money, but, so, like, but we are full. So wherever you come, you have enough for every good work. And 
it's not just money. Because what did Peter do at the gate called beautiful? He says, money and silver I don't have. But what I have, that I'll give you. And if I have it correct, that's the build-up to Acts 4 that we just read. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. You see, you, you have generosity without money. You can open your house. You can give someone a lift. You can send a WhatsApp that's generous with your time. We can pray. We can give a, a piece of the service for prayer. A piece of a conference for Gauteng. That's generosity. But the point I want to make is, so I was searching pictures, and God works with me in pictures. And even when I have a new sermon series, I usually have the design first, and then I go into the message. And I got a picture for mission, and it was, yeah, you've got it up. I wanted to say, just put it up. So I got the picture for mission. That was very easy, like we're going somewhere, going to all the world. Then members, we're a family. So if there's need, we want to look after each other. Now, it's not that we're going to have a soup kitchen and you're going to come eat here every day of your life. But, you know, life happens and sometimes you just need someone to help you back up. And that's what family does. And then I searched minister. And I was shocked. Because <laughs> the picture I had, there was nothing that came up that was even close. It was everyone behind a pulpit and you have all these guys with their hands out and they're like, it's very formal. And I realized, but that's not, that's not the ministry. Like, that's not, I don't want to give in, even to that myself. And I realized, yeah, but ministry is serving. And I searched serving, and I came up with handing out the love of God. And that's really what we're as a church is about. And that's why everyone can do it. And what's the best love you can give everyone? It's the pure message of the gospel, because you love them then into all eternity. And yes, they can, still they're going to need to be disciple. They're going to need your time. They're going to need food. But that's why we do life together. And Acts 2 is beautiful on that, and it says that they went from house to house. They went to the temple, having all things in common. And then all the Christians get nervous. <laughs> or those who have get nervous, and those who don't have say amen. Because like, we're not, God's not a socialist, is he? No, God's not a socialist. But God is unlimited. God is abundant. God is exceedingly abundantly what you can ask for. There's so much more with him. But the light shines in us when we have that reflection. The point I want to get to, Stephen stands up in Acts 5, Acts 6, and it says his face was like that of an angel. Why? Because he was beholding Christ in the cloud while being pummeled with rocks for doing the right thing. And often our picture of Christianity is how can something bad happen to me? I am serving God. I am tithing. I am giving. I am at church. I have a life group. This is so unfair. Are we reading the same Bible? The problem is what we've been promised by secular Christianity. You know what Jesus promised us in John 16, 33? In this life you will have trouble. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no amens, no? No amens. But cheer up. I love that translation. But cheer up. Why? Because the church ain't going nowhere. The light is not going to be diminished. Jesus is not going to fall off his throne. God's not going to change his plan. The Holy Spirit is not going to pack up and leave. He is in us. He is for us. He is with us. Heaven doesn't dip, doesn't experience load shedding. There's no dark hour. 
I mean, Frank, who's three-year-old, knows about ESCOM. Why? Because if he's fearful at night and I can't put the lights on because ESCOM doesn't give me power, I need to blame someone, so I blame ESCOM. But we want to blame someone if things happen. But guess what? It's just life. It's just life. So it's no excuse to go hide in a corner when Jesus said, cheer up. Cheer up. He's not worried. But we have to have a heavenly mindset. We have to be know that we are seated with Christ. We need to look into the light before we stare into the darkness. We need to come from that place. And Stephen is looking up while they're pummeting him with rocks. Don't tell me he's not feeling it. Don't tell me his body is not screaming, protect yourself. Where do we start in prayer? We started with, we're not saying that what's happening is not happening. We know that it is. But Philippians says, like, think about the things above, not the things of the earth. The song we sang, look unto Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the eyes of His glory and grace. So Stephen stands there and what does he do? Exactly what Jesus did. The biggest miracle in the book of Acts is not a layman walking. It's not 3,000 people getting saved. It is Stephen standing there and doing the works of Jesus and greater works than these. Saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is the most godly act in the book of Acts, I believe. Forgiveness. So whether you're angry, whether you're upset, whether you're anxious, whether you're demagogue, Remember always why the church exists. The church exists because Jesus died, but He rose again. He paid for our sins, so we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are new species. We are shining lights, the glory of God. And the heaven power source never once dips. Hasn't done for 2,000 years and will never. Why? Because if the source of light dips, it means God is asleep or dead. Because He is light. He is light. And we are now the light of the world. Because He has lit us. And He's given us His Spirit. And what do we do? We spend time with Him. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. Let's end there. Let's land the plane. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. Love this. says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion or the fellowship some translations say the friendship of the Holy Ghost the word be there shouldn't be there because it is there it's not like I'm reading the, some translations and it says may it be yours will it be with you continually that means that God disappears from time to time. God plays hide and seek. He doesn't. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. Be there is an italics in my Bible. With you all. What is the reality of Christianity? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, the Father. The friendship of the Holy Spirit is with us. The church is resilient. The church is going to make it. The church is going to stand up and be counted. Why? Because we cannot but help 
to shine forth the light. Because we are reflectors of His glory. Image bearers put on the new man. Which is created in Christ into holiness and true righteousness. Put on that man. Put on the light suit. See yourself. Close your eyes for a moment. If you're online, if you're in the room. Close your eyes. And see this light suit. See this white shining light. See Jesus right now in heaven. See him there. Feel your eyes almost uncomfortable just with the light. The glamour. The the source of light that he is. And the word says, put on the new man, which is created in that image. See yourself like clothed with light. Remember the word says, God is the father of lights. We are his children. He is the father of lights. We are his children. That means you are a light. You are a light. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no shadows. There is no variation. There is no, today he feels like this, tomorrow he feels like that. Today he's got good plans for you, tomorrow he doesn't. No, he has no way of changing. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is hope, he is light, he's given us power In Jesus' name. And He's not taken it away. It did not die with the apostles. It is for us. It is with us. It is in us. And all He does is He sends you an invitation in the form of a book. And He says, hey my son. Hey my daughter. Let's go on an adventure. In this world it might get difficult. In this world you might have trouble and tears. But I have come to give sight to those who are blind. To heal those who are broken hearted. To set at liberty them that are captive. To bring freedom. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. All of that is dealing with the old. And he says now abide in me. Draw from this well. Nourishment. Love. Life. Light. And let's shine forth. Who Jesus is on the inside of us. Not waiting for things to change. Not waiting until things get better. But standing up. For who we have. On the inside of us. Christ. In us. The hope of glory. Thank you Father. For how you. Look at us. For how you feel about us. For how you cry with us. Even I believe God says I cry with you. But I want to comfort you. My Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the comforter. He's the leader. He's the guider. He's your friend. He's your best friend. There's one closer than a brother. So Holy Spirit let us become more aware of your presence. Of your voice of guidance. Of your love. Of the song that is going on on the inside of us. Saying glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty. Let our life song sing to you. Let our life song sing 
to you. And I'm reminded of Paul and Silas sitting in the stock, sitting there late at night, not being even able to fall asleep. But they're not alone, they're together. And they're not alone by themselves because the Holy Spirit is there with them. And what do they do? They begin to sing. They begin to praise. They begin to, to glorify God. And we're going to do the same now. We're going we're gonna to sing another song. So Julius, you can get that ready for us. And we're just going to, we're going to, in the midst of a situation, in the midst of prison and lockdown and sickness and uncomfortable things, we're going to just turn our eyes to Jesus. And we're going to do it with a song. And we're going to give Him praise and glory. And we're going to let that light shine on us. And as we go out of here, we're going to let that light continue to shine on us. And we're going to live bold lives. And you're going to be bolder than you've ever been without trying. Because why? You've been spending time with Jesus this morning. Amen? You've been spending some good time with Jesus. And keep that momentum. We can't just get a, a Sunday to Sunday Christianity. We need to keep that momentum. We need to let the light shine on us and through us continuously. So let's stand together. As we go into this last song.
we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. 